Thank you for joining us one more time in our Bible study today. As I promise you, we're going to walk through the entire Bible. Wow, I'm excited. You mind if we start with a word of prayer? Lord, we thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to study the word of God. Lord, you promise that your word will not return void. I pray that you will use my tongue as a ready writer for your glory. I pray that you will use me to be a blessing to somebody tonight. Even me, Lord. I just don't want to be cooking the food and not partake at the table. Bless everyone that will hear the word today. Glorify yourself in this community. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we want to study the book of Numbers. We have been going through all the books of the Bible. Let me give you a quick review. You know why? Because I want you to be able to see how one book connects to the other one. And how the whole Bible, if you really look at it from a, a broad perspective, it makes perfect sense. You can see that God is real. <laughs> we start out with the book of Genesis. The main thing you should remember about the book of Genesis is that, number one, God created heaven and earth. And that whole book shows how God was trying to relate to you and me, to mankind how he put Adam and Eve in the garden, how he hang out with them, and all those good stuff. So it's about the creation of the world. It's about God relating to man. And it's about the fall of man. Our holy God is having difficulty hanging out with a single man. He drove them out of the garden, it got so bad one time he decided to, to clean out the whole earth. You remember the story of the flood. So the relationship was broken. And then he tried to, to use another man by the name Noah. That worked for a while. Again, it fell apart. And then you remember in the book of Genesis how he tried to use Abraham to start a relationship with Abraham. And then from Abraham to Isaac. And from Isaac to Jacob. And from Jacob, you see how Joseph, the son of Jacob, ended up in Egypt. And eventually, the whole book of Genesis ends with all of Israel in Egypt with their brother Joseph. And every now and then, you hear people pray, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now you see how God started with Adam, then work out Noah, then quite work out Abraham, then quite work out from Abraham to Isaac, to Jacob, to, to Joseph, and now we're in Egypt. Then we talk about that relationship, and then we come to the book of Exodus. You remember all that. Exodus was basically a book that shows how God 
helped the people of Israel to escape slavery. You know they were entangled and oppressed in Egypt for 430 years. That's a long time. By the way, in case you're interested in history, that's longer time than the blacks were slaves in America. Whoa. Look at God. But God always have a way of bringing people out of oppression. You can literally study the entire history of the world. If you find yourself in, in oppression, my friend, one thing that you can be sure of, God is Jehovah Shammah. He's there. He knows what's going on. And he will deliver you. Sometimes oppression don't come from a group. Sometimes oppression may come right in your own house. Sometimes your own spouse may be very abusive. Sometimes your employer. Sometimes just people in the community. Bullying. Hello. All kinds of oppression in our generation. But one thing I love about God. I love talking about the M.O. of God. God's modus of random. He always hear the cry of the oppressed. My friend, if you're going through some difficulty, don't hesitate to call on God. The people of Israel call on God, and God in the book of Exodus brought them out. Hallelujah. So Exodus is about exit. It's about escape. That's why we call it Exodus. <laughs> God brought them out, and then you see all the miracles. You see how they confronted the Red Sea and how the Pharaoh's army perished in the Red Sea. The book of Exodus also is about the, the covenant between Israel and God. God is trying to relate to them. Remember, that's why he created the whole heaven and earth. That's why he put Adam in the garden. So he can relate to man, to woman of this world, to you and me. So he's just trying to work it out, despite all of our sinful nature. So he covenant with them, don't do this, don't cheat, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't fornicate, don't be... I mean, all those commandments was God's effort trying to work things out with man. The people agreed to keep the covenant, but you know the story. They couldn't hang. <laughs> Sounds like you and me. Every time, Paul said, every time I try to do right, evil is pressing on every hand. He said, oh, poor wretched me. Who would deliver me from my own self? <laughs> but thanks be unto God. God has a way of looking beyond our fault and see our need. Hallelujah. I love the Bible. The Bible said God was so good to them in the book of Exodus that because man was full of sin and man could not come to God, he wants to meet them on top of the mountain they couldn't hang. 
So God decided to come down to their level. I can shout on that all day. You may think you're really bad, but as far as God is concerned, you are still the apple of his eyes. Wow. You say, Pastor, with everything I've done, yes. One of the reasons I smile every day is just that I finally figure out that God loves me. <laughs> it takes the little children to open my eyes to that. Have you ever seen the children saying, yes, Jesus loves me? For the Bible tells me so. Sounds so simple. But if you really study the word of God, it's really profound. It don't matter where you've been. It don't matter what you've done. It don't matter how bad you think you are. God loves you. If you ever received that revelation, my friend, your life would never be the same again. That drives me. That makes me know I don't condemn myself. Even in my imperfection, even when I messed up, I almost say when I screw up. <laughs> you see, we got to keep it 100. God loves you. God loves me. God really loves us. He loved the people of God so much, when they could not get to him, he came down to them. So the book of Exodus was not just the escape of the people, but the miracle at the Red Sea, the destruction of Pharaoh's army, if you're following the drift, and then the covenant of God with you and me. And then the book concluded amazingly with God coming down to dwell with men. That's why God commanded Moses to build a tabernacle. I told you the Bible story is so amazing. It's so impressive. It's so refreshing. It just makes me know I am somebody. And you are somebody too. Receive that revelation today in Jesus' name. Then we move into the book of Leviticus, the third book. And I told you, if you remember, Leviticus was God's trying to figure out how he can work with men and women of this world. You know why that book is important? Because after God came down, after God left his throne in glory to come and tabernacle among men, in a tent, the people still would not come in. They were scared of God. Now, you got to realize now part of the problem is that God is a holy God. And anybody that will hang around him, you have to be holy. I can preach that all day. Guess what I'm doing every day? You should be doing the same, trying to do better with myself. I couldn't do it in my own ability. But because Jesus came, so I put on his own righteousness. And then I strive every day to hang on to that blessing and try to make sure I don't disappoint God. 
I hope that will be your, your desire also. So the book of Leviticus was God trying to connect to these people. He is there in the midst. The presence of God was among the people. But the people, they, they're backing up. They say, oh no, sounds like this generation, isn't it? Have you noticed there is churches just about every corner in the city? But have you also noticed that most of these churches are empty? Hello? <laughs> have you ever thought about why these people are not in the church? They really think they can do without God. It's the same mess way back then. We're still dealing with that foolishness today. My friend, let me encourage you. The best thing you can do with yourself is to give your life to Jesus Christ. I tell my children all the time, serving God is not an option. Worshiping God is not an option. I remind them, and I'm doing the same thing with you and me today. Without God, as pretty as you are, <laughs> as good looking, you know, the bicep, the tricep, you see, Ooh, look at me, I got it. <laughs> you cannot make it without God. Let that sink in. We have to make God our number one priority. One, one scripture put it this way, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. Guess what? All this other stuff will be added unto you. All this other stuff that people are, are walking and stepping on each other's head to are walking and stepping on each other's head to get, God will freely add it to you. Nice car, nice home, pretty little cat. <laughs> I don't know what is it that you're desiring. The way to succeed, my friend, is to put God first. God is trying to reach out to them. They won't come near. So the book of Leviticus was God giving them guidelines. This is how you worship God. This is how you come near to God. This is how you can, you can, you can wash yourself and cleanse yourself with all, from all the filthiness so you can get to God. That's what the book of Leviticus is about. If you remember when we talked about that book, I told you there are three things that God put in place so that the people can be able to approach him, can be able to relate to him, can be able to connect with him. Number one, he set up rituals. We talked about five rituals. I'm not going to go through that again. Number two, he set up what we call the priesthood. In other words, say, look, let me ordain some of you who are a little earlier 
and let them be your representative. If you cannot come to God, at least you can send these rapes. By the way, let me take some time here and, and help my fellow preachers, brothers and sisters in ministry. You cannot live like everybody else. <laughs> you see, you have been set apart. The reason why a person is ordained a priest is because God is looking for somebody that is holy enough to approach God without incurring the anger of God. Ah, so it bothers me when we who call ourselves preachers, men and women of God, and people cannot take, tell any difference between us and the world. Let that soak in. There's another good news that even though you may say, oh, so that's what the preachers are, the rabbis and the men and women of the cloth, or whatever you want to call them, the, the one with big Bible and big chain, <laughs> and you big uniform, none of that matters. It's the condition of your heart. You can wear a big gold chain with a cross. You tripping, dog. <laughs> <laughs> or you can wear all white garment. By the way, I thought about that. Let me take a side journey. I thought one day I'm just going to show up in a white, white shoe, white pants, white jacket, white shirt, white tie. Just freak people out. <laughs> but none of that is going to. If your heart is not right, you just tripping. The good news is that you see, priesthood is no longer for a select few. According to the New Testament, every child of God is a priest unto God. There's something we call the priesthood of every believer. You know what I'm trying to say? There's hope for you and me. Even though I'm a preacher, that don't make me any better than you. Even though I'm a pastor, that, that does not make me more holier than you. We all are priests unto God. Goodness. So God set up three things. Rituals and priesthood. And the one more thing he did is how to purify yourself to approach God. You know how you get dirty and then you clean up. My wife stays on my case like that. I will go out and, and I'm just minding my own business. No, no, take that clothes off. You got to change your clothes. I say, why? I'm fine. <laughs> but no, no, no. You, you, in, in, her, in her mind, she said, okay, you contracted all these jobs and everybody hug you. They shake your hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. She said, no, no, don't bring that mess to my house. All right, change your clothes, put that up. So in the book of Leviticus, believe it or not, God said, I'm using simple things to illustrate profound revelation. God set up a system of purification. Like, like if a woman is going through menstruation, uh, it, it, they just have so many rules. You remember the woman with the issue of blood? All the rules, but she cannot come to the public and she has to stay. Uh, from gathering and all that's 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 all in the book of Leviticus. 
And you probably remember we talk about atonement, how the priests have to go into the Holy of Holy once a year to atone for the sin of everybody. And they kill, whoo, they kill a lot of animals, bless their heart. So the book of Leviticus is all about rules, how to be holy, the rituals you can, you can go through and the purifications you can do and wash your hand, wash your clothes, wash this, wash that, and also uh, the priesthood. But now we're in the book of Numbers. Hallelujah. You following the drift? Now, let me tell you a few things that you need to know about the book of Numbers. Number one, the name came from the first instruction that God gave to the people. They've been in the wilderness now. You know, they came out of Egypt. Now they're in the middle of the desert, in the wilderness. And they were in the wilderness there for one year. One year. So God told Moses, say, okay, now this is what I want you to do. Instruction number one, go and number the people. You see where that name come from? The book of Numbers. I can preach on that all day. Because numbers are very important. Many people are just living day by day. They work so hard. They get paid. They have no record. They have no budget. And they just get paid. They live month to month. No saving, no investment. Because they are not paying attention to their numbers. Numbers are so important that in the Bible, there is a book of number. <laughs> That's what we are talking about now. My friend, those of you who are ministers, being a pastor is more than just preaching and running your mouth. You see, as I'm sitting here right now, ooh, if you open my head, you'll be shocked how much numbers is in that head. I have to keep track of how many new converts, how many visitors come to church, how many baptism, how many people died, how many members in the church, how many people have left the church, how many people in attendance. I mean, there's number. In fact, can I, can I confess something to you? I'm just trying to help my pastors out there. Every week, one of the things that I do for hours is running the numbers, looking at the numbers. How much revenue? How much did the church spend? Is there anything left? Is our spending going more than our, our receipts? I mean, you constantly look at the number. How many people have been helped? How many lives have been changed? How many people do we feed? How many people do we help? So numbers are very, very important in ministry. But let me go take it further. Numbers are important in your life. Wouldn't it be sad if you have a bank account, but you don't know how much is in it? Hey, don't tell me up. <laughs> you have to keep track of how much is coming in, how much is going out, what is left. And then you have to keep track of 
even the, the money that, is, that are going out, are they going out for the right purpose? Are you wasting God's resources? Are you wasting your hard-earned money? Are you a good steward of what God has given you? So just on the numbers alone, I can preach all day. Many Christians are behind in their life today because they don't pay attention to their numbers. Let that sink in. So God start out the book, say, hey, Moses, I want you to number all the people. Like a census. Ironically, this year is the year of census in America. Guess why the government is doing that? The government wants to know how many people are in America. <laughs> how many mouths do we have to feed? How many blacks? How many whites? How many Mexicans? How many Hispanic Gentiles? So again, I will say to you, numbers are important. Also, please take note that these people were in the wilderness, in the middle of the desert. So the book of number is where God said, not only do I want you to, to number the people, I want you to have a, an order for how they're going to be, be situated. He told Moses, put the tent, the presence of God, in the middle. And then surround the tent with the people. He said, let the priests stay here. Let the, let the rabbi, uh, what you call them, the, the Levites stay there. Let, let the tribe of Judah, you know, the singing people. I mean, he just, he arranged the whole people. The one thing I don't want you to miss in that structure is that God, the presence of God was in the middle of the people. My friend, do you really want to succeed? You want to make it big time? Put God first. Put God right in the middle of your life. Not on the side. Not as a sidekick. Not something you pick up only in time of trouble. I'm amazed here in America, every time there's a tragedy, everybody run to church. But as soon as the tragedy is over, oh, they say, we're fine. We don't need God. We don't go to church. Ah, Rev, we'll watch you on TV. <laughs> My friend, we, we all need God in our life. There's a reason why God told Moses, don't put the, the tabernacle, the presence of God, with the Shekinah glory, smoke on top of the building. Don't put that on the side. Put it right in the middle of the congregation and let every tribe of Israel surround it. Wow. God was so precise that then he told them, he said, okay, you've been here one year. Now it's time to move. The desert is not your destination. Hallelujah. I felt the anointing just saying that. Poverty is not your destination. Struggles of life is not your destination. God wants to move you from nobody to somebody. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. God wants to move you from a land of not enough to a land of more than enough. That is why God told them after a year, 
Okay, he said, folks, you've been encompassing around this mountain for too long. It's time to move. I can stop there and preach to you and me. Some of us, we've been going around and around the same old, old religion that is not profitable to our soul. And somebody going to and processional, and recessional, devotional, all kinds of shana and shana, and nobody's getting saved, no life is being changed, and it's the same old raggedy situation for years. And I hear the Spirit say, my brother, my sister, it's time to move. Maybe this world is for your family. Maybe this world is for your church. Maybe this world is for your ministry. Maybe this world is so personal, it's just for you. I pray that the Holy Spirit will touch your heart. There's no point going round and round and round in circle and not making progress. Somebody said, if you keep on doing the same doggone thing and expecting a different result, you just tripping. There comes a time when you have to look yourself in the mirror and say, self, we can do better. Self, I'm sick and tired of being sick. I'm sick and tired of just sitting at home and doing nothing. I'm sick and tired of, of being called blah, blah, blah. You can make that decision today. You can even look at your situation, whatever it is, whether it's joblessness, whether it's sicknesses or disease, whether it's problem in relationship, whether it's children, whether it's just church folks. I mean, we can go on and on. You can look at that mountain in the face today and say, mountain, you're going to get out of my way. I'm through with this. It may even be an addiction. Maybe you've been smoking weeds all these years. Do you know you can make up your mind today and say, I'm through with this? I am moving on. It may even be a simple bad habit. Maybe it's drinking. Maybe it's womanizing. Or maybe it's running the street. Maybe it's just smoking cigarette. I'm not trying to judge you. I mean, all of us have all these various bad habits. Even I do. And one by one, I have to knock them out. I say, look, I'm through with this. Look, I'm, I'm tired of this. I'm out. <laughs> just, just. Because when we know better, we do better. God said to them, look, folks, You've been around Mount Sinai for one year. Just go around in circle. It's time to move. You know what is good about the book of Numbers? is about movement. If you're listening to me and you don't see movement in your life, you need to go to God and say, Lord, I'm ready to move. I'm ready to do better. Life is about movement. You know something else about the book of Numbers? It's about 
the journey of the people of God after God told them to move. Now they're moving from Mount Sinai and they're marching to their promised land. So it's not just movement. We're not moving backward. We are moving forward. We are moving to a destination. We are moving to a betterment. We are moving to a, a victorious ending. We are moving to our promised land. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. One of my goals as pastor in a local church is to make sure every year my church is better than the year before. Did you hear what I just said? Receive that for your family. Receive that for your own self. Life is ought to be for betterment. You're moving forward, not just standing still. Do you know anybody of water that is just standing still is called dead? You ever heard the term dead sea? <laughs> I was visiting Israel with a bunch of my church people. You know, we like to travel, you know. And we went to visit the Dead Sea. It's not going anywhere. It's just a body of water just there. You don't want your life to be like that. Take a snapshot of where you are right now. Just in your mind. You can do it. Click. I've done that many times. And then tell yourself, self, next year, we're going to be better. Hallelujah. I have done it many times. You don't need no, I mean, it's just your, you and your God. And when you decided to move, God will back you up. So the book of Numbers is about movement. Another thing you need to know about the book of Numbers is that it's about the journey of God's people from the wilderness to the promised land. By the way, as a side note, let me, since you are becoming a theologian like me now. <laughs> Hallelujah. You see, that journey was supposed to take only two weeks. Can you believe it? Just two weeks. That's all it takes. But guess what? For the people of Israel, it took them 40 years. Are you listening to me? There's a lesson there. You see, God has something for you. Miracles, promises, I mean, big victories. But you can make a two weeks journey become 40 years. How? You say, Pastor, how can I do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Sin will slow you down. Are you listening to me? Rebellion will slow you down. Murmuring and complaining. Oh, I wish I can just touch your heart this evening. Some of what I'm sharing with you, I've been through it. And the Lord had to help me. I'm better today. I'm still on the journey, not where I am. I want to be. You know the problem with human beings? We 
we come to this planet Earth and we behave as if we are here to stay. But this, this life, this Earth is not your home. It's not my home. Guess what? We are just passing through. Have you ever been to the airport lately? <laughs> when you get to the airport, you see all kinds of monitors all over the TV monitors all over the place. Some monitors are showing arrivals. Some TV monitors are showing departures. See a brand new departures. See a brand new baby that is born today. Guess what? He is just arriving. An elderly person that has gone on to be with the Lord today, he is departing. But one thing we all have in common, nobody stays in the airport. You're either arriving or you're departing. You know what I'm trying to tell you, my friend? This planet is not our home. Don't live as if you are here to stay forever. You're lying to yourself. Nobody is here to stay forever. Not even me. We're all just passing through. That's why the Bible says, while you pass through the valley of Becca, make it a well. So the Bible recognizes we're just passing through this planet. But it says, while you're passing through, make this planet better. Make this world a better place. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He just downloads some information. Many years ago when I came to my local church, Zion Hill Church family, they asked me what is going to be our motto. I said we are church trying to make the world a better place. Straight from the word of God. My friend, I challenge you today. As you pass through this planet, I don't know how long you're going to live. I don't even know how long I'm going to live. I pray that you live a long life. I pray that I live a long life. The Bible even says with long life, it will satisfy us and show us his salvation. I'm believing God for you to live long, but keep in the mind, keep at the back of your mind, none of us are here to stay. One day we're going to leave this planet. And while we pass through this, this planet, we need to make it better. Hmm. That will preach. Ladies and gentlemen, so life is a journey. The book of Numbers reflects the journey of the people of God from that wilderness to their promised land. Let me help you to understand. The first 10 chapter shows what happened right there in Mount Sinai. There are three wildernesses that those people went through in 40 years. How many did I say? <laughs> see, that's the professor in me. I'm, I'm a teacher. You see, <laughs> every now and then I forget I'm not in the, in the school. <laughs> three, three wilderness. Number one, there's the wilderness of Sinai. Number two, there is the wilderness of Paran. 
And number three, there's the wilderness of Moab. Those are different locations. Sinai, Paran, Moab. So the people of God have to travel through all those. Now they're starting the journey from Sinai. You probably have heard of Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai, by the way, in those three locations, there are also three significant mountains. In the wilderness of Sinai, they have Mount Sinai or Mount Sinai or whatever you call it. That's, remember, that's where Moses got the tenth commandment, the big tablet. He was ringing it. And then he found the people tripping and he crashed it. <laughs> Crazy tablet. <laughs> that sounds like something I would do too. And then when you get to the wilderness of Paran, there's also a mountain there. It's called Mount Hall. What's the big deal about that mountain, that wilderness? That's where Aaron died. I wish I had time. I love the Bible. That's a very significant location. Then when you get to Moab, there's also a mountain in that, in that wilderness of Moab. It's called Mount Nebo. Guess what's the big deal about that mountain? That's where Moses died. Did you know Moses never entered the promised land? He didn't make it. There's a reason why the people start worshiping golden calf in the wilderness of Sinai. There's a reason why Aaron died in the wilderness of Paran. There's a reason why Moses died in the wilderness of Moab. Let's, let's learn more few things about the Bible. I'm loving this. I'm enjoying this. You see, the book of Numbers is showing how those people were making their journey. They started out in Sinai, and they started to go. Guess what happened? God is leading them. You would think they would have enough sense to know because God is leading, they cannot fail. They started murmuring. They started complaining. And to make it worse, they were complaining against the leadership. Be careful. Don't sink your own boat. If God put a man or a woman in an office, you better. If that man messed up, God who put him there would deal with him. If that woman messed up, God who put her there would deal with her. But if you want to step in to play God and touch his anointing, you'll mess your own self up. How did I know that? Have you ever heard about the rebellion, rebellion of Korah? That was in the wilderness. These were folks who think Moses had too much power. They say, why is it only you that you talk to God? How can we talk to God? You're just a human being like us. 
We know the Bible too. Why you, why will you, you come and tell us? God said this, God said that. You know what? That's rebellion. That's whining and complaining. God make the earth open up and consume all of them. Many people are not blessed today because of their whining and complaining against leadership. Just trying to warn you. Hallelujah. Can I tell you a little secret? Don't hold it against me, but it's the truth. I have a lot of concern, problem with some of the people who are in elected office. I mean, serious concern. Some of them just irritate the crap out of me. But you know what? I have to learn to respect the office they in as much as I don't, I can't stand them. <laughs> oh, they were complaining. It got so bad. This is, this is amazing, the book of Numbers. It got so bad that even Moses' relatives, his own sister was complaining. God struck her with leprosy. Are you listening to me? Then it got so bad. At some point, a group of Levi, Levi were preachers, Moses' sisters, and his relatives. By the way, let me, oh, Jesus, I'm trying to move on, but this anointing is just flowing in my spirit. If you're really called by God, watch out for two kinds of people. The people that will be trying to mess you up are the very people who are close to you. These were Moses' relatives, his own sister. You know, let me tell you another group of people you need to watch out for. Church folks. These were preachers, Levites. They're complaining. Many times the very people you're trying to save, the very people you're trying to help, they can be your biggest enemy. Oh, I wish I can testify, but I got to move on. Rebellion is what turned a two weeks journey into a 40 year journey. Then they got to this location called the wilderness of Paran. By the way, something significant happened right there in the wilderness of Paran. Ask me what? God instructed Moses to send 12 spies to go and spy Canaan, the promised land, and check it out. I believe God is not trying to impress himself. God can see. He knows what's in Canaan. He's been there. He created Canaan. But he's trying to help these people because of their unbelief. So Moses sent out 12 spies. And then they came back. 12 people. Will you believe 10 of those 12 say, no, we can go there. We are just like grasshopper. We don't stand a chance. These people are giants. They will whoop our behind. 
And that same mentality is still existing today. Many people cannot make progress in their life because of their mindset. If you think you're nobody, guess what? The devil will make sure you're nobody. If you think you're not going to make it, guess what? The devil will make sure you don't make it. If you say you're not able, then you tie the hand of God. They said to themselves, we are like grasshoppers. We cannot defeat the people of Canaan. They are like giants. My friend, how do you see the enemy of your soul? That sickness that is messing with your body, how do you see? If you think that's, that sickness is going to kill you, well, you better start writing your obituary. <laughs> but if you have the faith, the courage, like those two spies, Joshua and Caleb, hey, by the way, my name is Joshua. <laughs> I can't help myself, you see. I'm just giving you an insight to how I think. You got to know that you know you can whoop the devil. You got to know that you know you can beat that cancer. You can beat that heart attack. You can survive that COVID-19 or whatever, COVID-18, COVID-17, any other number they put to it. It starts in your mind. Joshua and Caleb, they said to everybody else, we are able to go up and possess the land. What are you thinking? Do you have a defeated mindset? Or are you going to make up your mind that God is on your side? That you're going to raise those children? That your children will become a success story? That you're going to beat that sickness? That you're going to beat the odds? Yes, they might call you black, or they might call you Hispanic, or they might call you woman, or they might call you foreign. It don't matter what anybody say about you. The only thing that matters is what God said about you and what you said about yourself. Hallelujah. That happened in the wilderness of Paran. And you know what is so sad? Because Joshua and Caleb dare to believe God. Those other ten, they started a rebellion. They started a mutiny. And guess what they were planning? Two things. They want a new leader. They said, no, we don't want Moses anymore. Now, think about it. Did Moses create the giants in Canaan? Of course not. We're all in the same boat. We're all trying to make it to the promised land. Why on earth do they want to blame Moses for that? And you know the second thing the mutiny was about? They want to organize to go back to Egypt. Wow. That's scary. You know what even makes it more scary? There are a lot of people that are still thinking that way today. They would rather keep the whole community in bondage than to embrace new ideas, new ideas to help children off the street, new ideas to keep children out of jail, new ideas to keep children off the streets, new ideas to make 
all of us grew. They said, why we have to listen to that sister? Where does she, where does she get home? They whine, 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 whine. You know what? God is a good God. God is a loving God. But God got mad. God was going to destroy all of them then. But Moses intercede. Moses prayed for them. So God said, okay, I'll tell you what. I won't destroy them. But because they say with their own mouth that they cannot go to the promised land, none of them will make it to the promised land. And guess what happens to that whole generation? They died in the wilderness. My friend, I pray that you and me will change our thinking. I almost said, I pray that you and me will change our stinking thinking. Begin to think something that's good concerning yourself. See yourself blessed. See yourself healed. See, see yourself making progress. See yourself coming out of trouble. See yourself overcoming. See yourself living a victorious life. Don't see yourself as a defeated person. Encourage yourself. Even when you are discouraged, pick your own self up. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, they all died in the wilderness. They camped on their journey and they came to a place called Mount Nebo. That's located in the wilderness of Moab. Guess what these people are doing? Still whining, still complaining. Why this? Why that? What if this? What if we run into a lion? What about the bear? What if? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Jesus. I'm so glad I'm not God. Because that will wear me out. I don't even allow that in my house. I, I just can't take it. At some point, people have to. Too many miracles. Too many breakthroughs. Too, I mean, you can see the birds. The birds are singing. You can see the sun shining. You can see God doing miracle after miracle. Things that could have happened. Things that should have happened. Things that almost happened. But you are still here by the grace of God. We have nothing. Are you listening to me? You and me have nothing to be whining and complaining about. By the time they got to Moab, you won't believe this. This time they're complaining about water. Where well, we need some water. We walk, walk all this day, we can't find no river. We can't find nothing to drink. Oh, we, we, we're sick and tired of this manna thing. And that's the same food we eat every day. I guess my children read that. <laughs> Say, Daddy, why are we still eating cereal? Can we eat something else? Every night there, I get in my baptism and say, shut up <laughs> before I kill you. <laughs> Aren't you glad that you have cereal to eat? Some people don't even have no food to eat. Just a few days ago, because of this 
coronavirus thing. I was shocked when I see people, car after car, lining up for miles to get free food. My friend, you and I need to be thankful. We need to be thankful that we are still alive. We are not better than people who have died of COVID-19. You and I, we are not more holy than them. It's just by the grace of God that we are still here. We don't need to be whining, murmuring and complaining. We need to be thankful. Ladies and gentlemen, God in his grace and mercy decided to give them water to drink. And guess what? God told Moses, speak to the rock. Just look at the rock because there are mountains around them, rocks and stuff, you know. God says, speak to the rock. And the rock will begin to flow with water. Hallelujah. I can preach on that. Have you ever heard the song, Jesus is the rock? <laughs> In a weary land. People be singing and shouting, but they have no context, no understanding of what they are saying. These people were in the middle of the desert. And Jesus was a type of rock. It was not surprising when Jesus said to Peter, Upon this rock, I will build my church. The gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Jesus is the rock in a weary land. Jesus is the rock in your weary land, in my weary land. My friend, God said to Moses, speak to the rock, and the rock will give forth water. But because these people have aggravated Moses so much, because they've been getting on his nerve, guess what? Moses then take the matter into his own hand. Instead of speaking to the rock, symbolic of Jesus, and let God work that miracle, Jesus uh, Moses, guess what he did? He struck the rock. That's what you do when you mind and say, you, you rebels, you bad people. <laughs> I'm sick. Oh, that's when you say, I'm sick and tired of all of you. <laughs> you say, she will, she, will, she will give water to all you rebels. That's exactly what he said. And guess what? When he strike the rock, water did come out, and the people were able to drink. But it aggravated God. God didn't want Moses to take matter into his own hand. He put himself to the level of the people. Now he's acting like the very people that he's called to lead. Wow, I can help pastors here. Those of you who are not pastors, please forgive me that I'm making this time to bless preachers. You have to be careful that you don't let anger consume you. Just because the sheep are acting bad 
That don't mean you, the shepherd, will have to come to their level. Just because they are cursing you out, that don't mean you have to curse them out. Moses, can I really say like I feel it? Moses was really pissed off. He, he, he's had it. He's sick and tired of these people whining and complaining about everything. The food is not warm. The food don't taste good. Oh, we're eating the same manner every day. Oh, somebody, we're hungry. Oh, we need some water. Oh, that water don't taste right. He just goes on and on. Why can't we? He got mad. And that's why he strike. He lost his school. He became like the people that he's leading. As a leader, I'm talking to my own self now. We have to be careful that we don't become just like everybody. You have to maintain your cool. You have to learn to be calm. You have to learn something called humility. Can I be honest with you? Many times my own wife would tell me, I don't know how you do it. I cannot do that. And I have to tell her, these are God's people. It's a privilege for God to call me to lead them. I cannot afford to lose my cool when they lost theirs. I have to remain humble even when they lie on you. Don't lose your cool. Even when they call you everything but a child of God, don't lose your cool. You know why I'm telling you this? Because, because of what Moses did. God said, you, even though you're the preacher, even though you're the leader, you yourself, you're not qualified to enter the, the promised land. You will die with the rest of them in this wilderness. And, and that's exactly what happened. Moses died on Manibu. He never entered the promised promise land. Let me say this in conclusion. The book of Numbers is a journey, but notice so much that we can learn from the journey. Your life, my life, is a journey. I will travel through this journey is very important. Don't allow spirit of rebellion to creep into your life. Don't allow murmuring and complain to creep in your life. Don't allow a spirit of unbelief. If God said you can have that promised land, if God said go forward, don't start questioning God. What if this, what if that? Your unbelief or what we call lack of faith, can make a two-week journey become 40 years. I pray the Holy Spirit will break this down far much better than I can. It's an honor for me to share the Word of God with you. It's an honor for me even to refresh my own memory. 
about the word of God and what God is trying to teach us. Stay away from rebellion. Stay away from murmuring. Stay away from complaining. Stay away from a nagging spirit. Stay away from unbelief. Don't be a part of enemies. Let me, let me end up with a story. I was in the state of Arkansas. And I was serving in a local church called St. James Missionary Baptist Church. Frankly, I was the music director. And of course, everybody knew also that I'm a minister. And some of those people, true story, all the leaders and all the board of the committee of that, they started a rebellion. And their plan was to get rid of the pastor. And they came to me in the middle of the night. They said, hey, Reverend, we want you to know we like you. We, we watch you for years, how you're leading the choir. We like your spirit. We like your leadership style. We're going to get rid of, his name is Reverend Moton. My wife get upset with me when I, when I give facts and dates and locations and say you talk too much. But I really want to be transparent. They said, no, we want you to be a pastor. We're going to get rid of that pastor. And then they say, this is what we are paying him. We're going to pay you double. We know you're very smart. You got the education. And you even, you preach better than him anyway. And, and you multi-talented. We, we can get two for one. You're a musician. You're a preacher. You're a teacher. And they go on and on. And I sat there. And after they finished running their mouth, I looked them in the face. I said, I can never be a part of any conspiracy against any man of God. I say, I would never be a part of what you're doing. In fact, because I know now that you're doing it out of rebellion, I would not be your pastor. I would rather be dead than to be your pastor. Everybody thought I made the worst decision of my life. And I messed up with a great opportunity before me. But guess what today? Because I was willing to walk out of murmuring and conspiracy, today God blessed me with something five times better. Five times better. I say this with utmost humility. Every day, God is using this mouth to speak to 39 million households throughout Europe, throughout Africa. Don't mess yourself up. Don't be a part of a mess. Don't be a part of any clique. What God has for you, it is for you. No devil can mess with what God is blessing. Let me say this in conclusion. You see how the book of Numbers end? When the people of Israel got to Moab, the king of Moab saw all these people, millions, two million plus people, 
marching across his line. He said, whoa, 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 what in the world is going on? He got scared. So he hired a sorcerer, like a witch, you know. <laughs> he hired a sorcerer. He said, no, come, 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 quick. He's called Balaam. You probably have heard the story of Balaam. And the king of Moab hired this guy to curse the people of God. He said, these people are marching by the millions. I don't know where they're coming from. I don't know where they're going. But I think they're up to no good. I want you to go in on top of the mountain and cross them up. So this sorcerer said, we're all of these voodoo and juju. The Bible is really profound. The word of God said in the book of Numbers, the end of the book, Balaam was trying to curse God's people out. But every time he opened his mouth, instead of curses to come out, blessings come out. Wow, Jesus, help me. I'm trying to tell you something profound. You know, a lot of people you're worrying about, they have no control over your life. They don't even stand a chance. Whatever God has for you, it is for you. God said to the forefathers of the Israelites, I will bless those who bless you. That's Genesis back in chapter 12. I will curse those who curse you. My friend, that blessing is still alive and well today in your life. You don't, I tell people, you cannot be carrying an elephant meat on your head and then be using your, your feet to look for cricket. Elevate your mind. A lot of people you're wasting your time with, they are nobody. They can't stop you. They didn't make you. They didn't give you all the gifting in you. Stay focused, my friend. I'll see you at the top. God bless you. I can't wait. The next time we're going to talk about the book of Deuteronomy. I love you. God bless you. Till we meet again. Amen.